0: We come to the story of Jesus walking on the water in John chapter 6. Let me read verses 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. There's a couple of challenges as we start our study of this miracle of Jesus, Jesus walking on the water. The first challenge is this, is that everybody seems to know the story. You talk to a lot of even unchurched people, and they know that Jesus walked on the water, And so everybody kind of knows the story. And if you grew up in church, you heard it uh, in Sunday school. You heard about Jesus walking on the water. You got that story. And so the tendency and and the temptation is to tune out during the story because you've already heard it once. That's the first challenge. I'm going to challenge you not to tune out this morning. The second challenge is because you know the story, you know the ending of the story. And so you read the, the story and the other two accounts in Matthew and in Mark, and you start to, you, you know, the end before you get to it. And so it, it kind of softens the harsh edges of the story. When they're in the storm and the sea is uh, raging and the wind is blowing, you're kind of like, well, that's okay, Jesus is on his way. When they see Jesus and, and they're frightened and they're scared for your life, you say, well, look, they're, they're going to find out that it's Jesus. And when Peter's walking on the water, but then he falters and starts to, Go into the water say, oh, that's okay, Jesus is going to pull them out. We know the end already, so here's the challenge. Um, don't overlook what's going on. Don't overlook the feelings that the characters in the story are dealing with and the emotions that they are being filled with as this uh, miraculous thing takes place. Jesus walking on the water and then Jesus calming uh, the storm. But the purpose of John's gospel is, Uh, The purpose of this miracle, the purpose of all the miracles that we are looking at in this sermon series called Reset, is to make us, help us, to show us Jesus Christ, that we might believe in Him and have life in His name. We find that in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. So we are studying all these miracles, not just to see how awesome and unbelievable it is that, that Jesus would do something on the micro level, that Jesus would change somebody's personal circumstances, that Jesus would take the water and turn it into the wine uh, for the wedding, that Jesus would heal a man's son, that Jesus would he- heal uh, another man uh, at the pool who'd been waiting for years, or that Jesus would feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. All th- that is miraculous. That is amazing. But the bigger picture, John says, is these things are written, these miracles are recorded, and we're studying them today so that you may believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one of God, the Son of God, and you would believe in him, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So we're encouraging um, our congregation, our church, Our own souls, that when we find ourselves in dead ends, when we find ourselves in places of darkness and and of struggle, that God is miraculously able to come in and reach us with the ultimate purpose of bringing glory to Jesus Christ and revealing to us that He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And do you believe in Him? Jesus actually said it this way in John chapter 14. The disciples were scared for their life. They Um, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you guys, and uh, he says, don't be troubled. Um, uh, In my father's house, there are many mansions, old King James says. Uh, If it were not true, I would have told you, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and get you and take you so that you might be with me in the place where I am going. And uh, Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus said these famous lines, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and, And then something amazing happens. Philip says, just show us the Father. Jesus Just show us the Father, then we'll be, believe. And, and Jesus says, "All this time, have you not seen, don't you know that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father? And then he says, in, in verse 14 of John chapter four, verse 11 of John chapter 14, he says, "Believe, if anything, believe on account, believe the miracles. Believe on account of the miracles that I am who I say that I am." And so these miracles, the reason why we're studying it, the, the reason John is recording it is so that you might believe. Maybe today is a day that you would believe in Jesus and this miracle would turn your heart toward him. So the miracle is, and we're going to see this in just a minute, um, the miracle is Jesus is going to walk on the water. Now, in, in Job chapter 9, we see that this is something that God does. God is the one who creates the universe. God is the one that creates the land. God is the one who creates the seas and the waves. He's the one that walks on the waves. That's a godly thing to do. That's what God does. God walks on the water. And here, Jesus does it. Now, the average person, for the average person to walk on water, okay? because I saw this past week a reptile that, that walked across the water. He ran across the water. In order for the average man to do that, He would have to go 67 miles an hour in order to walk across or skip across, as it were, the water. Now, the fastest man on the planet, Usain Bolt, ever was about 28 miles an hour, 28 and a half miles an hour. So um, he's not going to be walking across the water. This is a miracle. This is a miraculous thing. Jesus walking on the water. Uh, Take a look at this, and then we'll examine the story.
1: When evening came Jesus' disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and went back across the lake towards Capernaum. Night came on, and Jesus still had not come to them. By then a strong wind was blowing and stirring up the water. The disciples had rode about 3 or 4 miles when they saw Jesus walking on the water. be afraid it is I reached land at the place they were heading for. next day the crowd which had stayed on the other side of the lake realized that there had only been one boat there they knew that Jesus had not gone in it with his disciples but that they had left without him other boats which were from Tiberias came to shore near the place where the crowd had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks When the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into those boats and went to Capernaum, looking for him.
0: Jesus walking on the water. A miraculous event written and recorded for us so that we may believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and that by believing in him, we may have life in his name. Just a couple of notes on the story Uh, this Day to day, and, um, and then at the end, we'll try to draw some application. The first thing is the disciples find themselves in a storm. In our text in, in John chapter 16, he just tells us the disciples went down, they got in a boat, and they started across to Capernaum. Now, in Matthew chapter 14 and in Mark chapter 6, the other two places that this story is found we are informed that Jesus actually sent them on ahead. Jesus said, go and and go across the sea and and, and I'll I'll be with you later. He sent them on ahead and and so they got in the boat and uh, they went out into the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles uh, long and eight miles wide. It's about 150 feet deep at its deepest spot. The wind's Come down from the surrounding hills uh, of uh, 800 feet or so above sea level, and they come down kind of in this basin where the, the Sea of Galilee is, and it can whip up the waves, it can whip up the, the, the storm, can come quickly at the Sea of Galilee, and, and this is what happens. The disciples will find themselves in a storm. Now, it also is dark, we read in, in John chapter 6 in our story. We also uh, get a little deeper picture of it in Matthew 14 when Jesus does end up appearing to them. He, he appears to them He, he appears to them in, in the third or the fourth watch, excuse me, of the night between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And he had told them to go and get in the boat as evening approached. So they had gotten in the boat and went out on the Sea of Galilee and they were out there basically all night. It was dark and the storm hits. Now, I think it's important that uh, John includes that it was dark here because uh, things always seem worse in the darkness, don't they? I don't know if it has, has for you your whole life, but for me it has. The night, night is always a, a, a tough time. I remember getting ear infections and earaches as a kid, and, and, uh, and the night times were always the worst times. It seemed like the pain would ratchet up Uh, a few notches. It seemed like you couldn't sleep and it seemed like all the shadows lengthened and uh, the boogeyman was in the closet or around the corner and and, and it was a scary time. The darkness has a way of making everything worse. Someone has said that the greatest darkness comes just before the dawn and and the the disciples are going to find themselves in a very dark place The disciples find find themselves in a storm, and the disciples struggle against that storm. The sea became rough. The Sea of Galilee can stir up pretty fast, and it can get some decent-sized waves for the, the relatively small size of the lake. It's not a small lake. It's not a small body of water, but it's not Lake Michigan. It's not Lake Superior. It's not the Atlantic Ocean. But it can still blow up storms quickly. You can go search on YouTube and you can find even on clear days some of the waves are, are coming up pretty high. And if you've got a smaller fishing boat, it could be real rough, real quick. And, uh, and, and these disciples start in the darkness, remember. The storm is starting to blow. The waves are starting to crash into them. And they are rowing to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they are rowing and they were working um, hard. They were rowing for, the text says, John says, uh, about three or four miles. And so they're working hard, they're rowing, and they're trying to get to the other side. Not too long ago, I had a chance to go whitewater rafting with my family, and, and, and we were in this raft, and uh, we had instructions that we had to, to row when the leader in the back told us to row, and we had to go backwards when they told us to go backwards, and we had to try to do it together in unison. And here, I thought this was going to be kind of an enjoyable little meandering time down the river to thank God for His creation and to be with my family, but it turned out to be a lot of hard work and and a lot of rapids, and it was fun and it was exhilarating. It was a lot of hard work. These disciples were working hard, not just to experience a nice day with their family, they were working hard for their very lives. They were scared. It was dark. The wind and the waves were crashing. Now, it's interesting to note that the, the wind was blowing them, and uh, I can almost guarantee, although I don't know this from the text, I can guarantee the the wind was probably coming right in their face. Isn't that the the case that when uh, a storm comes in life, usually it doesn't. The wind doesn't come and assist you. The the wind comes against you. It's like one thing after another. As a matter of fact, I, I can't help but kind of feel like we're in that. Right now, as a as a society, as a culture, it's it's uh, COVID nineteen. It's uh, uh, George Floyd murder. It's uh, riots in the street. It's um, other people being hurt and murdered and killed. It's I just read that there's a, um, a massive, gargantuan, stadium sized meteoroid that's on its way to Earth this this week. So. It's like things go bad and and then they get worse, right? And uh, if you look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, um, Capernaum uh, is on the northwest side. And so if they're going across from the east to the west, the, the, the wind can come whipping down from the west to the east and be right in their face. I bet you it was right in their faces. And so the disciples are struggling. Now they see Jesus. So the disciples, they get into the boat. Jesus had sent them there, by the way. The storm comes. They're working hard to get out of it. But then they see Jesus. They're frightened, John tells us. Matthew Mark tell us that they thought that Jesus was a ghost. They didn't know what to make of him. They see this man, this apparition, they don't know who, coming. And in Matthew and Uh, Mark, we also learn more in depth about how Jesus actually saw the disciples. Jesus saw them working. Jesus saw them struggling. Jesus saw them rowing. Jesus saw them getting overtaken by the wind and the waves. Jesus had his eyes on the disciples. And then in Matthew, we see that Peter calls out to Jesus and says, if it's you, let me come out to you. I gotta love it. You gotta love Peter. John doesn't record this part of the story. We, we read it here in Matthew, and uh, and Peter takes a step out of the boat and he walks to Jesus. So the disciples find themselves in a storm. The disciples are struggling in that storm. The disciples see Jesus and then J- Jesus takes care. Of his disciples. Jesus comes and he gets in the boat and he brings them to the other side of the place where they were going immediately. And that's verse 21. They were glad to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, this is the story, the miraculous story of Jesus walking on the water and Jesus combing uh, the storm, and I felt like the question kept being raised in my soul and my heart: is Is why is this here? Why is this story here? Why did Jesus do this? Why? 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 Almost like the the little kid who's asking the why questions, and he keeps on asking why, and you tell him why, and he says why and why, and there's a, a never-ending why. I felt that questioning in my spirit, as I looked at this story. Now, we know from the purpose of John's writing about these miracles, it's, it's so that we might believe in Jesus. So, I, I understand that, but why did Jesus send his disciples into harm's way and let them struggle for four hours? They were trying to row out of it for, for three or, or four miles, and and Jesus could see that they were working hard and they were being overcome. And he knew that they were afraid. And, um, and so, the more and more I asked why, the more and more I was reminded of the fact that uh, sometimes we have to rid ourselves of some things that we just assume or take for granted about how we understand things. One of those things is this, this uh, thought of comfortable Christianity, of becoming a Christian is going to make things better for me. And, and really, it turns the gospel, the good news, into just personal good news for me. It's going to make my life better. It's going to give me the promise of heaven. It's going to give me uh, prosperity. It's going to give me comfort and peace. It's going to give me help in the, in the midst of the storms of life. And And nowhere in the Scriptures do we read that this is the way that Christianity is. The Lord will actually send us into situations in life, and He'll let us struggle in them for a time because He teaches us some things about who He is and what He does. And I believe the disciples and and, and we learn some valuable lessons when we allow Him to teach us in the storms of life the first thing that we learn and the disciples learned in the storm is that jesus is lord over all creation five miracles happen in this story i don't know if you caught them but let me break it down to you this way okay miracle number one jesus walks on the water miracle number two peter also walks on the water Miracle number three, the wind stops. Miracle number four, the sea, the waves stop. The sea is calmed. Miracle number five, they get to the other side. There's there's five miracles that show us, that display to us, that Jesus is Lord over creation. God allows this to happen to the disciples so that they will know this about him. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the very one who has created the elements of this universe. He is the very one who holds all things together. And by his power and by his word, he has authority over all. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 the Son of the living God. This is the one who speaks to you today and says, believe in me. Jesus is Lord over all creation. These are the miracles that he did. He showed that he could create something out of nothing. He could make the water into wine. He could give the blind man sight by creating the cornea and the retina, by creating his eyes. Jesus is Lord over everything in creation. And this is the lesson that they learned that Jesus is Lord over creation. Not only that, they learned, and hopefully we learned, that Jesus is Lord over all circumstances. Jesus said in John chapter 6 here, and they see him walking, and they're afraid first, and he says, it is I, do not be afraid, do not fear. It is I, The way that he's saying that um, is is not really the way that we would say it. He's saying that, I I am. The way that he is talking is the way that's giving an indication that he is is who he says he is. He, He is from God. He is the Son of God. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said to the Pharisees. He made some distinct claims And he is displaying his power to back up those claims over all creation, but also over the circumstances that the disciples find them in. And he says, do not fear. God allows things to happen to us so that we will depend upon him in the difficulties of life. That we would know that he is bigger than our circumstances that he is stronger, and how much do we need to hear that? How much do we need to hear that if if all society crumbles around us, that Jesus is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the righteous and just ruler who is coming again. And my hope and my faith and my trust is in him. These things are written to you. Jesus is walking on water so that you might believe in him and have life in his name. You know, one of the things that really shook me to my core is, as I grew up and, and grew up in my faith as well um, was the, the, the diagnosis of my sister Heather uh, of having inoperable brain cancer. And It's one of those things where as you grow and as you experience life and death, you begin to ask those types of questions that you you didn't ask uh, in the sunshine. But now that it's dark, now that the storm rages, you begin to ask these questions. And one of the questions that I asked after the morning that we found my sister unresponsive, we had to call the ambulance. They came and they got her and they uh, took her out and they ended up airlifting her up uh, to a, a large hospital so they could... Get her into brain surgery. They had to go into brain surgery, had to open up her brain to stop the bleeding that was happening in order to save her life. When they opened up her brain, when they stopped the bleeding, by the way, they said that she had a 50-50 chance of getting through that surgery. But when they stopped the bleeding, they noticed uh, a brain tumor there. And it was in the spot of her thinking and her talking and her reasoning. It was in a spot that you don't mess around with, intertwined with those parts of the cells of our brain that are so essential for living, that they just left it alone, they stopped the bleeding, and closed her back up, and they said, now that she's lived through this, there's a 50-50 chance that she will be able to resume any normalcy of life, a 50% chance that she could be in a vegetative state. And it was at that moment as a kid, I thought I was not a kid at 21, But as a kid at 21, 22 years old, I began to wrestle with some of these questions and also some of the anger that I felt because of the circumstances of life seemed to be against me, our family, my sister. And it began to reveal some wrong things that I had in my mind about what it meant to follow Jesus about comfortable Christianity. Now, I hadn't been taught that. In, in our house, in a preacher pastor's home, we had learned that Christianity wasn't comfortable, but we had had a comfortable life. And, and here, this had happened. And we were calling out to God to heal. And I, I began to, to notice that it, within my own heart, I had a, a, a sense of you know, God owed us somehow. How could you, God, allow this to happen when we love you, when we are serving you, when we are living for you? No, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven by you. We've done all these things, and now here is the payback that we receive. As if God is put into anybody's debt, that anyone can say, God owes me. And this was being stripped away. And Jesus, in the storm, was teaching us that he is the Lord over all circumstances. Now Jesus, uh, Jesus did heal Heather, my sister, completely and miraculously, and she's still alive today, almost 20 years later. And, uh, and, and we thank him for it, and we praise his name that his lordship over creation was asserted, In her life. The third thing is this Jesus cares for us. The disciples learned this. Um, Peter, he's kind of the first one to experience it because. He actually has the miracle done to him, or he gets to participate in the miraculous. He says, Jesus, called to me. If it's really you, he called him, and Peter jumps out over the boat, and he actually begun, begins to do the thing which Jesus is doing. He's walking on the water. Jesus cared for Peter in, in such a miraculous way. Now, here's something interesting to note. Peter would have never experienced the miraculous in his life if he had not taken a step out of the boat. Now, I don't know for sure, but that's a, there's a message somewhere in that. That you need to sometimes extend your faith. You need to step out of the boat in order to see the miraculous happen. To have faith in Christ. To have faith in the Son of God. To believe in Him and take steps that are uncomfortable for you to take. And then God's going to do the miraculous when you do it. Because He cares for you. Not only does Jesus show his care for Peter as Peter walks on the water, he falter, falters and fails, and Jesus helps him back up. Jesus cares for Peter. He also cared for the rest of the disciples as he comes and they invite him into the boat and they bring him into the boat. I think there's a sermon there as well that we got to have Jesus in our life. We got to have Jesus in our boat. I would actually probably say it this way we got to get on board with jesus life we got to get in the boat with jesus jesus doesn't come along on the ride with us we go on the ride with him because he is the lord of all there is he is the lord of creation he is the lord over all circumstances and he is the lord praise god who loves us and he cares for us with an everlasting love and he's going to take care of us he took care of his disciples I want to close with another story that had an impact on me and it's related to my sister being sick. Another person that I had known, but not too well, but in the town, around the town where we had lived, got sick with brain cancer as well. He had two operations to stop it, but it was one of the most aggressive forms out there. And he slowly went downhill. But during the year and a half or two years or so before he died. I got to have conversations with him. I got to be part of his life. I got to baptize him as a follower of Jesus Christ. I got to see God work the miraculous in him by saving his soul and by using him as a testimony of faith to other people around him. He had kind of lived a life of rebellion during his time. He had kind of done his own thing. He had Spent some time in jail. He had kind of lived a rough life. But Jesus, through this storm, grabbed his soul and saved him for all eternity. And I got to stand up at his funeral and declare on the basis of the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that this man, that Brian, was in the presence of Jesus because Jesus had died for him Jesus had cleansed him. Jesus had saved him. Jesus cared for Brian. Now, Jesus didn't heal him the way that we prayed. We obviously prayed for physical healing, but it didn't mean that Jesus didn't care for him. Jesus cared for him with the ultimate love and the ultimate salvation, and the ultimate healing by bringing him in the very presence of God Almighty on that day. So this is the story. And it's here so that you might believe in Jesus. By the very fact that you are here, and you're hearing my voice, and you're seeing this today, means that you have hope. There's, there's a chance for you. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you have the opportunity today to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This miracle was incredible for Peter. It was amazing for the disciples. They looked back on it for years to talk about, remember when Jesus walked on the water, but it wasn't just for their edification. It wasn't just for their reminiscing. It was for our salvation. It is here so that you might believe in Jesus, the man who walked on the water, who was more than a man because the sea and the wind obeyed him He cares and He has strength and power over creation and your circumstances and He cares for you. Do you believe in Him today? Do you believe? Turn to Him. Believe in Him. He died on the cross of Calvary for your sin. He rose again from the dead and He promises to give you eternal life if you would believe in His name, the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of Lords.